lack of human connection, fear of their jobs, overwork because of bad leadership or non-careful leadership, and burnout because of the constant stare at the screen are four things that we are seeing in all sizes of companies. And that's a big concern because when these four come together, we get a highly ineffective organization. And also, more importantly, we get an organization that slowly and surely is getting more and more tired. Hello and welcome to the EverCoach podcast, the online destination for a coach that wants to create a positive impact in the world and make good money along the way. I'm your host, Ajit Nawalka, and every week I'll bring you the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves. Welcome to this episode of the EverCoach podcast. Right now, we are in a time where we're going through a pandemic. There is a, a, a diversity divide. We are finding a challenge when it comes to working from home. We are struggling as a country and as, as economies globally. This is an interesting time for people to self-reflect. This is an interesting time for companies to self-reflect and really look at what they have been doing and what they could be doing for their team members, for their employees. This also is a time where a lot of us are struggling, especially when it comes to workplace. We are getting calls from clients and potential clients almost on the daily reporting the challenges that they're experiencing as more and more team members, more and more teams have to operate virtually and will have to do that for an extended period of time. You see, the first few months we all were told to stay at home, we were kind of excited. Hey, you get to not travel, you save a bunch of time and not being in traffic, especially the people who are living in cities. You get to hang out with your kids whenever you want. You get to cook together. They, you got to play together. It was so much more family time. The first few months, first few weeks were very, very exciting. There was an adjustment period, but it felt like a good adjustment. We all were excited about, hey, we will discover how to work from home. We will be traveling less. There will be less traffic. But then it really started to dawn upon us. The challenges of working from home. The challenges of working from home were nowhere close to what they are right now. And companies are consistently reaching out to ask coaches the question on how they can stop the deteriorating work culture, deteriorating social structure of the companies they're, they're working for. HR departments are concerned, coaching departments are concerned, irrespective of the size of the company. In the past few weeks, we have spoken to billion-dollar enterprises and million-dollar enterprises, and they are all asking the same question. How can we help our team members to not get burnt out? How can we help our new team members to still integrate with the rest of the team? How is it that we can still have a great work culture when people are only meeting each other for meetings? How do we train the leaders of different teams to not get their team members to overwork and beyond a particular amount of time because it is exhausting their team members? Right now, we are in a situation where teams and companies and leaders are at crossroads. They could use this time to be able to bulldoze and get a lot of people to do a lot of work and then eventually burn out and leave the companies. Or they could utilize this time to build a completely new work culture 
that is optimized, performance-oriented, and get more results from their team members while benefiting with the idea of virtual workspaces. In this episode, we will be discussing some of these key ideas that you could use as you approach companies, as you approach workplaces, and help these team members, team leaders, or organizations at large to be able to address what these companies need to think about to be able to create a work culture that is progressive, is, is something that is helping their team members for years and years to come. This is a unique opportunity for you as a coach, as somebody who works with executives, team leaders, team members, businesses, small businesses, large businesses. It doesn't matter the size of company that you work for, they're all experiencing this challenge and they are all trying to find a solution to this challenge. To be able to resolve this problem, let's think about what is the problem? What is really happening and why is that happening? Why is it that team members are experiencing a burnout? What are some of the factors that play in for, for, for team members to be able to not be able to optimally perform or not be able to really have the same power that they had when they were in a physical workspace? What are some of those key challenges that are happening in companies so we can address as coaches as we walk into it? So in this episode, I'm gonna share with you what are some of these challenges that are happening, why are they happening, and what is it that you can do about it as a coach to help resolve these challenges that are happening for these companies. So there are four prominent things that are really happening in companies right now. First is burnout. This is where employees are reporting that they are working really, really hard and they are experiencing burnout, or they're working all the time, they're always in front of their screens, and hence they're experiencing burnout. That's problem one, that's the most obvious one. The second challenge is where leaders have forgotten the boundaries of when work stops. This is happening, especially in large organizations, where leaders still have large goals to fulfill, and currently, because they assume that there is nothing else that you can do, or there's nothing better for you to do, they are operating from a place where they're requesting team members or they're giving work to their team members that would most definitely need more time than standard six or seven or eight hours that is their work time. And because of that, the team members are increasingly finding themselves in front of their computers for 12, 13, 14 hours. Why are the team members still agreeing to do such lengths of work? Which brings me to the third reason of why this is happening is because the current economic climate and downturn of a few companies, and let's be really honest, there's only a few companies that are really experiencing the economic challenges right now, and a lot of other companies are actually on the rise during this time, but because of the fear around it, because of the fear that is being created by media, by leaders in the organizations, by inherent dialogues that team members have, there's a fear for loss of jobs. So one of the biggest fears and biggest uncertainties somebody could have in, 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 in the starting level positions or mid-level positions is they may lose their jobs as a consequence of this pandemic and then they wouldn't be able to go out and find new jobs and hence their families are at risk. Their income is at risk. And because of that, they are forgetting the idea of performance. They're thinking about how do I keep this job? How do I make sure that my unit is safe? How do I make sure that my job is safe? Which is why all the actions that are being driven by employees and team members are fear-based. They're not thinking about what will get them to grow to the next level. They're thinking about how do I not lose my job? They're large enterprises and companies that have even asked their employees to not 
be paid. This is a real case we heard of one of the companies that has recently asked their employees that can we not pay you for the next three months, especially if you were somebody who had just started. That is an unfortunate circumstance that builds a lot of fear, especially in the mind of the person who has the job. If they're not getting paid, how soon will it be that they will not have the job even and no possibility of getting paid in any near future? This creates enormous fear in the minds of the employee and team members, which of course impacts their performance, which of course impacts their mental well-being. And lastly, one of the big things that are happening right now that is impacting the workplace is that we are social beings. We like interacting with people. We like exchanging energy while in physical space with somebody, especially if you're an extrovert, which is majority of the world. Majority of the world is reported to be extroverts and minorities introverts. So introverts may find it slightly easier to be able to operate in this world, but the extroverts are struggling because they need the human connection and they were getting it every single day as they went into the office because they could communicate with people, they could have a different dialogue. They were not in the same bubble of same social conversations. There were different social conversations depending on the person that they were talking to. And energetically, they were fueled because of that. Now, in this new world, because of the screens, the energy transfer is not, not that great. The communication is not that clear. And because of that, the social challenge that we are running into is increasing by the minute. The social concern of not being able to socially transact energies and socially communicate energies makes it difficult, makes it harder for people who are extroverted in nature and also introverted in nature to be able to operate at their highest peak self. So lack of human connection, fear of their jobs, overwork because of bad leadership or non-careful leadership, and burnout because of the constant stare at the screen are four things that we are seeing in all sides of companies. And that's a big concern because when these four come together, we get a highly ineffective organization. And also, more importantly, we get an organization that slowly and surely is getting more and more tired. What happens because of these factors, what happens because of all these four things that are happening at the same time? is it is becoming more and more difficult for a person to focus on their work, to be able to know the timelines on when to work, when to sleep, when to wake up, how to show up for meetings in different capacities, how to keep the motivation high, how to have a company culture that actually works when you're not physically meeting anyone. These challenges have become prominent and predominant in many, many companies. It is also leading to a big challenge of trust and trust building within the organization. Think about it like this. If you were a team that was already pre-existing, pre-pandemic, uh, you were great friends already, you were doing a great job and you go to virtual, that's great, right? Because it doesn't matter, you already have the trust. You're only reducing time of travel, which is great and feels great, right? But what happens when a new person joins this team? Now, previously when a new person joins the team, you would take them out for lunch. You would get time to really be in their energy, be able to interact with them. You will be able to read the body language of the person unconsciously and build that trust slowly, but surely it's getting built. It's not taking an obnoxious amount of time, maybe a matter of days. You trust the person enough that you can communicate with them freely, discuss ideas with them, discuss clients with them, discuss your situation with them, and be able to go out in the world and create the magic that teams create. But right now, because you don't see them 
physically, the energetic exchange, the understanding of the body language, the understanding of how they are really like in a social setting is not there because you're only meeting them in a virtual space when you are doing a meeting with them. So the only exposure you have of them is the intellectual exposure. When they show up in a meeting and make a presentation, make an argument, but there is no social camaraderie that's being built, which is paramount for a team's performance because that's how trust is built. And we all understand that trust is so very important for our team to be able to outstandingly perform. So what can we do as coaches? Now, you can probably really clearly see why you as a coach is so pivotal right now to walk into organizations like this and be able to support them in their journey. Like you can imagine an organization that is struggling with any of these factors or all of these factors right now may have a lot of ideas, but may not know exactly how to transfer the knowledge, how to really come up with ideas that is more in sync with their culture. They might not be able to see some of these problems for that matter, right? How many times have you seen leaders who, because they are thinking about their own job security, their own fears, are not able to understand that they're overworking their staff members, leading them to burnout, which effectively reduces their own performance. It is one of those times where you as a coach is very, very important to be walking into an organization. It doesn't matter if you're an external coach, an internal coach, or even if you are a leader. These ideas that I'm gonna share today on this podcast will help you be able to act like a better coach in situations like this. Now, while there are many areas, like I said, there's trust, there's fears, there's all these different very complex areas that one needs to address as as a coach. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pick the top three just to make it easy uh, and make it valuable within the scope of a podcast time length. And so we're not talking for eight hours on, on, on how to make companies more effective and efficient and get more performance out of your leaders and so forth. If that is of your curiosity, and if, if you do wanna learn about the more detailed version of how to really create impact with companies and within organizations and as leaders, I invite you to go on, check the link below where we have a new certification releasing very, very soon that will allow you to be able to walk into organizations and have a complete tool set and be able to impact despite the circumstances that may be happening around the company and the organization. But that is for later. Let's talk about how we can right now get some of the tools, some of the strategies, some of the thoughts that you can use immediately post this podcast. Okay, so the first thing that I wanna address is fears. Right now, a lot of company employees and a lot of team leaders and definitely a lot of founders are scared about the uncertainty that is happening right now. We don't know what the world looks like in six months from now, a year from now. We can anticipate, we can create some ideas around it, but we, we're not super clear about those because of economy turning so fast and the, the pandemic not really having a clear outline of when it's gonna end and, and of course the upcoming elections uh, that are happening around this time. There's a lot of uncertainty that is on the cusp of everything. And because there is so much uncertainty, it, it brings that inherent fear around a leader's mind, around a founder's mind, around an employee's mind. And one of the key things that you want to do right now as a coach is to be able to walk into conversations and be able to address these fears. You see, when we are in an organization, when we are playing the role of a leader or an internal or an external coach in an organization, what can happen is people are, are also fearful of being able to share something with you that, is, uh, that may show a sign of weakness to them. And in an organization, 
it is more and more evident in cultures where the culture is of fear-based leadership or leadership is something that people tend to fear culturally, right? So whatever I'm going to share with you right now, just, just keep it in cultural context and adaptability will need to happen in context of the culture of the, of the country or the organization. Among the first few things that you want to do as you walk into a conversation with any of the team members, team leaders, or founders of a company is firstly, you want to address if that is a real fear. So you could say uh, something to the tune of, hey, we've been hearing a lot around people being fearful of their jobs. It will be very evident for certain organizations, but certain organizations, you may have to first get a revelation if that is a real fear. So once you have set up the coaching context, once you have set up the space for them to feel safe and trusted and trust you in, in the dialogue, the next first question is you want to address this challenge head on. Uh, and you wanna make sure that we are both on the same page. You and your client is on the same page of actually knowing that this is a real fear, this is actually happening for them, and they will need to address it. And once you've opened up the dialogue, what we are really going to do is we are going to find the triggers for when this fear is triggered. So let's talk about what may happen as you're going into an organization. After setting up the uh, the context, the container, the trust between you and your client, uh, building some camaraderie between you and your client or your team member, what you wanna do is you wanna address this question straight away. You see the intent of addressing this question straight away is because it's a difficult question. It's a difficult dialogue for anybody to have. And once the container is created, if you're beating around the bush, it might take longer for you or almost impossible for you to get that outcome from them. A great way to open a question that is a difficult question is to not relate it to the person, but relate it to a situation. When we address somebody and directly address them, it has a bigger possibility that the person feels unsafe in that situation. But when we make that a situation that we're talking about versus the person, it does become an easier dialogue to have because they don't feel threatened in the conversation. So say, for example, we were in a situation, I was talking to somebody who was a client and I want to address this because I know this particular company seems to be running on, on 10 hour, 20 hour, uh, 10 hour, 15 hour days uh, per employee. So how I may, once I've created the container, I may address the, the question to something like this. I would go, hey, you know what? What we've been hearing lately in our organization, in organization ABC, is that a lot of team members are working really long hours. And because they're working really long hours, we are wondering where does the challenge really lie? And one of the things that came up in, in certain conversations was people are feeling that there is some fear around their job security, around that if they don't work longer hours, they are at risk of losing their jobs. Would you say that's a feeling and an emotion that you have found uh, happening in the organization? What I did, as asking this question is I removed the threat from the person. I took this question as if it's a hypothetical situation that they are addressing from outside in. And in most of the situations, the person would agree if they are feeling the same. And sometimes when they're very aware and they have listened to this podcast, they will probably say they are not feeling the same feelings, which is why you'll have to then go and listen for cues in the, in the conversation that allows us to ask for the dialogue to really reveal if they are feeling this concern generally. So the opening question for you, 
with in a, in a situation where dealing with fears is address the fear straight away. Talk about what's the fear, but make it a third party as if it's a situation we're dealing with versus the person to remove the threat from the person. Once we've addressed this, and let's hypothetically assume that the person agrees. What they may say is something to tune off. Absolutely, I've heard it. It seems like that is really happening. A lot of people are feeling the fear of, of their jobs. And, and yes, that is why a lot of people are working really hard. Now, you want to lean into a reflective exercise where we are going to get them to find the triggers that may be creating that feeling and that emotion for them. And these triggers, while they are reflecting as if they're reflecting on a, on a situation, would be a good reflection for themselves. And then we'll bring it back home. So here is how this would go. You would say, okay, I see that you agree that we have a situation. People are being scared of their jobs. They shouldn't be. That definitely takes away from their performance. And on top of it, it's not a good place to operate from. This would create anxiety and emotional distress for the person eventually hurting their health, eventually hurting their situation within the company. We wouldn't want that. What do you think happens? Why is it that people are feeling this distress or this fear around losing their jobs? What do you think is triggering these fears? Now, here is where you're listening for cues very, very carefully, because these would be the cues that will inform the coaching session here on. There could be one of two responses that may inform your cues. One could be that they would say there's external factors. We listen to the news and media all day, every day. And because of that, there's an inherent fear that is getting developed because of external sources. Or they may say that is happening because something happened within the company that informs them that their job is at risk. Either of the scenarios gives you the perfect segue to really address what's happening for this particular individual. Their response to the situation on why this is happening is very much informed by their own situation, their own feeling of if they are feeling their job is at risk. And once we have had that analysis from them, we can now lean into that conversation saying, hey, so what could we do to avoid these triggers and how can we avoid feeling as if because of somebody else's response or something, somebody, something else that may have happened that doesn't necessarily impact your particular situation. Now, I am assuming a lot of things while I'm explaining the situation. It would be much more easier if I could show you exactly how to deal with a situation like this and break it down for you and, and demonstrate it to you. Unfortunately, I don't have that capability right now in this podcast episode, but we will consider that in future episodes. For now, what I want to give you is to go and listen for the story that the person has, because that will inform what could be your next set of questions that allows you to further this dialogue and eventually lean it all back into the conversation of the person and the change that the person needs to create to be able to not operate from fear and draw better boundaries. Which brings me to the next point or the next conversation that is very evident and very, very prominent right now, especially that needs to happen with leaders and team members. And that is a conversation around boundaries. How I love to start conversations around boundaries is usually in a group setting. I would love to bring the entire team together and I would talk about boundaries as an overall topic. Boundaries simply mean respecting where I am, who I am, what I am, and what I like to do while respecting who you are, what you are, what you like to do, right? Respecting the timelines of things, respecting the communication styles, respecting the uh, 
uh, when is clock in, clock out, all of those are boundaries. Once we have started the dialogue as an overall conversation with the team, it makes it much easier for me to get into a coaching session one-on-one -on -one or within the group setting to address the challenge of boundaries. Now, sometimes it is an easy conversation to have because the company and the team is well aware of the idea of boundaries and will clearly give you a smile or a concern or a breakthrough out loud when they are hearing something that you say that is relevant to that team or that particular audience that you're speaking with. And which is where coaching becomes really relevant again in a group format because now you're able to really listen for what they are saying. You're able to go, oh, now I see how to address that. Let me lean into that conversation a little bit more. Let me talk about that conversation a little more. How we would go about doing in a group setting is once we've had that open dialogue or open presentation about boundaries, which may take 30, 40, maybe even 50 minutes for us to kind of establish a container to have a conversation around this dialogue of boundaries, we would go in and then start addressing what may be happening with individuals within the team where they feel their boundaries are being violated. Now, again, remember, this is a company setting. You have to open them up slowly because their team leader is sitting right there, their manager is sitting right there, their HR representative is sitting right there. And because of that, it is a little bit harder for a person to kind of bear everything and bear their soul out to you, right? So you want to be a little bit mindful and you want to lead with examples and you want to maybe have a dialogue already with the leader of the organization or leader of the team to say, hey, I'm going to put you on a spot and, and have this conversation before even you get into the group dialogue. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to bring you on up, right? And I'm going to ask you how you have seen boundaries being violated in your own leadership. And this is them demonstrating leadership. I would have that dialogue with them. I would make sure they're aware of it. I would get their buy-in and their comfort levels on that. And once I have that, then I can utilize their experience to open up other people's experiences. Here is what a good leader would do if you establish the container well with them. If you establish the container well with them, a good leader is going to actually give examples within the team. They're going to go, yes, I see how boundaries could get violated. Listen, you know what? I called Angela at 9 p.m. in the night the other day because I thought something was so urgent and my kid was off to bed and I was back on my laptop. I violated two boundaries that, that day. One was my own life because I opened my laptop at 9 p.m. while I should be reading a book or spending some time with my wife or doing whatever else that I had set myself up to do. Instead of that, I opened my laptop so I could sneak in another hour of work. And then worse still, I violated Angela's boundary by giving her a call. You see, when a leader leads with example like this, now you have a team that is willing to open up a dialogue around boundaries. Just the act of having this dialogue and having some open communications in a group setting, you would see that the, that the way the leader leads, the way the team members approach when a boundary is being violated completely shifts. Because here's the thing, we were already spending 60% of our lives working, going to a job, doing a thing, starting a business, whatever that was, right? With this pandemic, we're spending maybe 70, 80% of our time every day working. If that is not a conducive environment and if there is not contained and the boundaries are not established, we are slowly but surely going to see that work will take over our life and we won't be able to have the joy of work anymore. And that's an interesting and important paradigm to understand. It's not about the balance of life. It's about the joy of work itself. You will lose the joy of work if you're always working. 
you will be frustrated you will be annoyed with yourself because you're not taking care of your movement of your of your intellect of your relationship of your kids of your friendships and so it doesn't fulfill you anymore and if you lose the joy of work how are you going to perform at work you can't right and that is exactly why this dialogue becomes more and more important and boundaries become more and more important and when you open up the dialogue in a group setting it becomes way easier for the team to understand it because everybody got on the same page. Now, at this point, you can also create a practice that allows people to establish clear team boundaries. They may have still to have a coaching conversation post-session for their personal boundaries or their boundaries with their leaders and other team members. But overall, as a team infrastructure, as a team boundary level, we may be able to establish with some exercises done right there. And they, these exercises could be very straight up questions-based or exercise which is based on examples and case studies and metaphorical examples, which basically leans into the idea of how and what are good boundaries within our team, what are we okay with, what are we not okay with, what are the values that drive these boundaries, what are the values that we are currently practicing that we don't wanna practice anymore because that doesn't help us and support us. And that would inform the boundaries that we create as, as, as a set between us and, and our teams. So you could facilitate that. So as a coach, I would encourage you to start the dialogue, of course, with the leader. So you can put them on a, in a position of, of coaching in front of their teams, but then lead the entire group, bring the entire group into the same place and have a dialogue. Start with the presentation and open up with a dialogue so you can then create much better boundaries at the team level, right in that conversation, and then lead into a private one-on-one -on -one conversation to have individual boundaries being well-defined and leadership boundaries being well-defined. As we're talking about boundaries, the next best thing that needs to happen right now, and these are some tools that we absolutely need to incorporate in our companies uh, and the companies that we work with are rituals and personal and team performance systems. These are performance systems that otherwise were baked in when you were in a social setting and you were interacting with each other beyond the scope of uh, a meeting, but now you'll have to create them to be able to ritualistically do certain things that increases the level of trust, increases social connection, reduces overwork, reduces burnout, and reduces fear. And we want to be able to do that by setting up some very clear rituals that also support performance. So say for example, uh, if there was a time, a particular time that most of the team members start their office every single day, Let's make that the time that everybody starts their work every single day. Before that, ban the use of email, their Zoom accounts, their uh, Microsoft Team accounts, or whatever the accounts that are, they're not allowed to do anything before that hour. And the reason why we are doing that and ritualistically doing that is because that stop, that creates an inherent boundary, but also starts a social time. Because you could say, all right, we are all going to start work at 9 a.m. We're gonna log into the same platform, the virtual platform that we start with, and we're gonna be on that platform for the duration of the day. That means that platform's still working irrespective of what's happening around us. And we get to get, yes, a peek into each other's lives, and I think it will initially be uncomfortable, and it is initially uncomfortable, but eventually it eases off because people start to learn more about each other and start to build a social fragment that allows each other for greater trust and bonding between each other. This also, makes it an important thing for a person to do what they do as morning rituals. 
some of the small companies and, and some of the companies where people were getting a little bit lazy, even in larger enterprises, what we started to see with people were skipping showers and just wearing a shirt and getting on phone calls. And while that may seem like, okay, but they're still on this phone call, the ritual of taking a shower, getting ready is what is very key to performance of the day. It sounds really silly. It sounds really small, but it compounds because first it's the shower, then it's the morning yoga activity that they might be doing or many morning stretching they might be doing to energize their body. Then it could be that 20 minute podcast episode or music that they were listening to before getting to work in their drive there or their commute there. Now that's not happening. So that was actually a productivity and personal productivity enhancer for them that has just been taken away and they're not aware of it because they're not following any ritual anymore. They're waking up from their bed, going to their desk and starting their uh, work. It has no productivity system built into it. And that is why these rituals are so very important. You need those rituals for how we start the day. We need those rituals for through the day. What's the time we all break for lunch? Can we have lunch together? Could we do breakout rooms, depending on what software you use, where people can go in and have those private one-on-one -on -one lunches pretty much on the daily. They are almost told that there is no option out of these lunches. They must do lunch with somebody else within the team at least three times a week, at least four times a week, at least two times a week. And that allows them to be able to create that social camaraderie if they haven't already thought about that. So these are some very simple ritualistic tools that you can utilize right away in companies. And you'll almost be acting like a consultant at this point because you'll be saying, let's look at a set of 20 tools that we could deploy right now to create rituals and personal performance systems and team performance systems to be able to get people to not be lethargic, slow, not present. That might be the case when you are at home to increase your levels of productivity. Now, I understand it becomes difficult for parents. I am a parent myself, and I totally, totally, totally understand that. But that's exactly why these rituals, again, are very, very important. This would mean that you may say, all right, I am a parent. Let's come to a boundary. Let's come to an agreement that I'll be working six straight hours in the morning when I have Zoom classes for my kids or my, my wife's watching it or my husband's watching it at that time, and they're doing their six hours after that. And we've kind of divided that in an effective enough way where now you're working, the other one's taking care of the kids, and then they are working and you're taking care of the kids. And because of that clear divide, you're like, all right, I'm going to not be doing 20 hours. Uh, I'm going to be doing six hours, but they're going to be bloody good. They're going to be high performing. They're going to get the outcome that I really wanted because that's all the time I have. There's a psychological principle that states that work always fills up the time assigned to it. If you give yourself two hours to do something, you will do it in two hours. If you give yourself 10 hours to do something, you'll do it in 10 hours. And this principle comes into very big use while we assign ourselves six hours, four hours every single day as we tag team with our, with our partner to be able to deliver the task that otherwise was taking six to eight to 10 hours because we had no time cap on when that task needs to be done and how quickly that task needs to be done. So those are some key ideas that you can take. Again, with the limitation of this being a podcast and me talking through these ideas with you, it would be a very different setting if I could actually demonstrate these ideas to you in a setting. And which is why I invite you to consider looking at the certification program that we are launching next week. This certification is called Certified Business Coach. It is designed by Evercoach. It is designed by me personally after experience of working with many, many companies. We find there are repeated patterns that are in companies that 
If you learn how to coach through those patterns using what we call the first principle coaching, you will be able to find resolution to most of those situations. This particular certification uses a unique approach. We call it the coach consultant approach, where you are acting as a coach 50% of the time, but then you're acting as a consultant 50% of the time. You are coaching the person and you're consulting the problem. This, is a, this unique approach has helped us grow many companies by many fold year on year. This is the exact approach that I demonstrated in some way in explaining you the three core things that you could do and help companies with almost immediately. There are of course many subsections and many sub ideas that need to be addressed because those are the real challenges that come up in companies day to day. We cover all of those challenges, show you how to do first principle coaching. We show you how to be a really great consultant by giving you real tools and strategies and examples that you can take to businesses straight away and help them be a more performing company, be able to thrive in despite the circumstances that may, that may be around them and be able to create better leaders in the world. This certification program is also fantastic for leaders in organizations. If you're a leader, if you are a founder in a company, this certification may be perfect for you. Right now, if you're struggling to find out what are the areas that I need work on, what are the areas that I can help my team with, how do I go about helping my team members better? This certification is perfect for you. This certification will help you develop the skill of coaching. It will help you develop ideas around what are some of the better systems that you could deploy in your company, in your organization, in your team to get better performance and create a much healthier team that you may be having right now. So below this podcast episode, you'll find all the information about the certification program. I invite you to go check it out and see if this is right for you. I'll be looking forward to speaking with you next week. Hey, listen, if you haven't yet added me to your phone, I invite you to text me. If you are in the United States or in Canada, I have a phone number where I can interact with my community and I would love to interact with you. This phone number is 323-618-6132. I repeat the phone number, 323-618-6132. I've also added that into the show notes so you can go check it out there. But text me, text me what's happening for you. What do you think about the certification program? What do you think about the current circumstances? I directly get the text and I will be responding to it personally too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will see you next week. I am your host, Ajit Navlaka, and every week on the Evercoach podcast, I will bring the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves.